Well, good evening, friends and fans of Voices of the Sacred Feminine uh, Radio. And uh, thanks goes out to Zingaya, uh, the wonderful uh, band that uh, provided the music tonight. And that cut is called The Breath of Passion. And I have to admit, it is one of my all-time favorites. Whenever I hear it, uh, my mind is just transported to... Uh, a desert somewhere and I'm on the back of a camel just sort of loping across the sand dunes Uh, so thank you Zingaya for your beautiful music and uh, and yes uh, to all of our friends and fans thank you for your listener loyalty Uh, we do appreciate you tuning in uh, for the last um, uh, 11 years here and uh, and tonight I believe we have a great show for you uh, as always uh, we have returning to Voices of the Sacred Feminine uh, Tezza Lord uh, spiritual activist and author of In the Eye of the Hurricane uh, discussing her experience uh, teaching self-empowerment techniques um, to juvie teenage girls in a high security lockup uh, while simultaneously enduring the head on strike of a hurricane Uh, now that wasn't any of the hurricanes that uh, hit recently but uh, uh, mother nature and all her full force uh, is uh, is quite incredible Uh, and Tezza will share what tools we can uh, you know give to uh, these um, uh, bad girls as she calls them uh, to help them change their lives uh, that we can uh, all use uh, for personal transformation. Uh, we'll hear how what happened to the girls correlates uh, uh, to what people go through in their ordinary normal lives uh, with no hurricane around. And uh, Tezza will tell us how she got uh, these at-risk young women to embrace uh, the techniques Uh, that she's going to tell us about and embark on these journeys of transformation. Uh, So, Tezza, welcome back to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Oh, thank you, Karen. It's such a delight to be here. Thank you. Now, um, you were talking about uh, self-empowerment techniques that you literally uh, taught uh, to uh, juvie girls uh, who were um, incarcerated and, and... now, the self-empowerment techniques that, uh, that you refer to uh, are yoga and meditation. Um, I, I'm really curious, how did that, this even all come about, that you happened to be at a, a prison or a facility, you know, uh, where these girls were being mm-hmm. kept? Uh, what, what's, what's the backstory there? Um, you know, how did you get in? Uh, what motivated you? Uh, let's, let's start at how this all came to be well that's a great place to start when when a desire arises from our being we should pay attention to it so one day I just felt very frustrated because I was not able to communicate with my stepdaughter at that time she was a teenager herself and she just didn't want to have anything to do with me as a lot of teenagers do especially with step parents so instead of feeling frustrated I said well where can I find young girls, especially, who would benefit from all that I had to offer? So I scratched my little head, and I thought, hmm, I'll go talk to the Girl Scouts of America. And, of course, I was one of them when I was a kid, so I went. I just wanted to have a conversation. And I 
presented my credentials and I said I'm a lifelong experienced yoga person. I have a lot of uh, experience. I would like to give it to girls who really need it. And the Girl Scouts of America were delighted. They said, oh, my goodness, where have you been? So they gave me a whole list of different opportunities everywhere from very uh, high-end affluent neighborhoods where I could go and do workshops or the very other side of the spectrum was these girls who are considered, uh, the word was actually used incorrigible by the director that I spoke to. The state of Florida, which is where I was living, had pretty much given up on these gals, and they were all gathered together in an academy stuck in the middle of the boondocks of central Florida, not in any major city, so they could not be busted out by their boyfriends or fellow criminals. And and so I decided immediately when I heard that these girls were would be available to me, I said, yes. That is exactly the type of person that I want to teach yoga to, somebody who is in such a state of distress that they really need it. Because yoga was just beginning to be popular at that time. This is 2002 when I started teaching, and the events that take place in the book are 2004, Hurricane Charlie, to be specific. So during that time, uh, yoga was just really becoming popular. And especially in faraway places like Florida, it was still on the edge. A lot of people thought it was the occult or black magic. There really was a very backward uh, opinion about Florida, about uh, yoga. It's kind of... It's kind of crazy, isn't it? I mean, um, I, I mean, here in California, I mean, there's a yoga studio practically on every corner. You can't escape a yoga studio. Um, but yeah, I've had women, uh, evangelical women, on who have escaped uh, from their uh, evangelical prisons, and you know, they it, I, they amazed me when they said that so many Christian pastors actually tell their congregations that yoga and meditation meditation uh just uh you know create a pathway for the devil to enter their bodies and their psyches i mean it it it's insane <laughs> it is and it is actually one of the issues i address in the book that i have offered the world in the eye of the hurricane but the of the hurricane i have dropped because it really is so much about in the eye that deep profound eye so a lot of the girls would be affected by the evangelicals who came to give Bible study classes. And afterwards, they would come to yoga class and say, well, I'm, I'm really pissed off because I'm going to go to hell now. So we had to have what we call damage control. <laughs> the, the director and I did a lot of damage control, talking about the fact that people just didn't understand yoga. And I want to say that, first of all, today there is Christian yoga, there is all sorts of variations of yoga. Everybody knows yoga's gone overboard. And I love the fact that it's become so popular. And I love the fact that the Christians are now saying, okay, well, we're going to just have our own special way of doing it, which is fine. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, well, you know, it, it, I, I can't help but make the connection between Christianity and capitalism. Uh, you know, I mean, it goes back to Calvinism and the Protestants. I mean, it's so deeply entrenched in capitalism, and I'm hearing you say that, and I'm thinking, hmm, they figured they could make money off of it. I'm sorry, I'm cynical tonight. <laughs> oh, oh, well, that's okay. You're allowed to be. I'm not. I I I, re- I was very much involved with when the women's liberation started, for instance, and as you probably remember, that was back in the '60s, right after civil rights and women's lib, and everybody was burning their bras, and so women's liberation went way overboard. I mean, I call them feminazis, and today, to be a feminist is a really positive thing, but it, back in the '60s, it was really radicalized and it was really politicized. And and that's the way movements are. They have to be very strongly felt in society, and they usually go radically one way, and then they come to a central place where everybody accepts it. So Mm -hmm, I I embrace the fact that yoga has become commercial. I embrace the fact it's become so extreme. I just came from teaching a yoga class, and I'm almost 70, and I'm more agile than, you know, a lot of 20-year-olds I know. So whatever way people can do yoga, I'm all for it. Well, and and you're right, really. Um, I mean, I uh, I I think uh, yoga is an incredible tool, and the more people have it at their disposal, the better. You know, I mean that that's truly how I feel about it. Um, it's it's just funny, you know, how it's kind of evolved. But in a way, it's almost like goddess spirituality too. You know, I mean, the pendulum mm-hmm. sort of swung all the way in one direction, and and now it kind of I I think is coming back to center. Uh, a lot too, you know. So, uh, you know, just as you said, you know, maybe that's just sort of the ebb and flow of movements. You know, they start out yeah. a little radical and then then, then they mellow out. <laughs> I, I very much believe that. Like, for instance, I've always considered myself not a feminist. I believe that men should be liberated also. I am a people liberator. So when the mm. feminist movement started, and believe me, I was a young woman when everybody was uh, burning their bras and, and doing all sorts of radical stuff like that, I thought, well, what about the guys? I mean, these poor guys, they're so hung up on the fact that they have to be macho. They feel embarrassed to be spiritual. They feel embarrassed that they don't have a male child. And there was a, there was a lot of stigma attached to being a man, just as there was with the oppression of women. So I'm all mm-hmm. for everybody being liberated. Well, uh, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything really boils down in my mind. Uh, the litmus test is: is it um, respect and partnership, or is it domination and exploitation? And you know, getting rid of that domination and exploitation for all of us uh, is really mm-hmm. the goal, isn't it? You know, whether we're talking about mm-hmm. freeing our minds or our bodies, or um, you know, our outlooks from consumerism or whatever it is. Um, you know, I've, I've become a real fan of this. Uh, you, you might know him, uh, a, a psychologist, German psychologist, who um, actually he passed away in 1980. But his work, I mean, is phenomenal, and it lives on. His name is Eric Fromm. And, you know, he oh, yeah. talked about... Uh-huh. 
yeah, he talked about this idea of being and having, you know, when we're living in this society where it's all about consumerism and um, acquiring things, where we would be so much better off if we could shift away from that and get into a being mode of existence. And I think these tools like you're talking about, you know, meditation and yoga, they help put us in that being mode. I think they help us resist um, the ills of society, if you will. You know, they they, uh, Mm -hmm. help us throw off the shackles of oppression and domination. um, And uh, but but you're going to talk more about the benefits. I I don't want to, you know, that that, that's your thing. You're the expert. So. Um, so, so let's get back to, uh, so you're, so you're there in the prison and, um, you know, you're having to do damage control and make the girls realize this is not something that they have to worry about doing. Um, and, and I guess I'm just curious. I mean, did you meet any resistance at all? Uh, I mean, so so talk about that a little bit. What was the evolution? Well, first of all. It's a volunteer class. So in a, in a population of 52 girls who were residents, which is what the director called them, inmates is what the guards called them, uh, there were basically 52, and 12 of them could sign up for two classes we had. And my classes were always full. But a lot of the times they, they became regular girls. I call them my yoga girls, the ones who were really dedicated to learning this because the girls who had the courage to come to class, the very first thing we do is breath. We work on our breath. We tune into the breath. And instantly the girls would say, wow, what's going on? Because they had never learned how to breathe properly. So all of a sudden they were feeling magnificent. And they, they, they sensed these sparkles going on, like what's going on with these lights in my head? And, well, I had to tell them that's called oxygen. <laughs> when you take a deep <laughs> breath, you, you are filling your whole system with oxygen. And not only are we getting more calm, but we're also getting healthier because all our cells are getting oxygenated. So the very first minute of a class, from the very instant that I demonstrated it to everybody, they got what, what can only be called high. So, of course, most of these girls, they're in prison because they're druggies or they're on a thrill and they got caught. And, you know, the state of Florida put a clamp on their party. They like to get high. So when they learned that yoga is the highest high there is because the breath takes you to that place where you absolutely are filled with just these scintillations of oxygen, first of all, And because you calm your mind, you're no longer filled with anxiety, you're no longer angry, you're no longer looking for a fight. So uh, I would say within the first two minutes of every class, there was a radical shift. It was almost like a bell had been rung, and everybody shifted, and we called it the, the yoga groove. We got into the yoga groove. So you shift from being in your head, mentally thinking out things, analyzing, logical, that's the left side of the brain, and you go into the right side of the brain where you just more or less look into the creative and the, the endless possibilities of what consciousness is about. And the trick is using the breath. So after a girl initially came to class, 
there was no question that she was going to come back as much as she could. So my classes were always filled. And, yes, there were girls who would, on the outskirts, say, oh, you're just doing a bunch of, you know, hokey stuff. Uh, or ridicule them. And so the girls had to stick up for the yoga class. We actually had to have a group meeting. They had group meetings every day in this prison because it had a, a, a wonderful experimental approach to reform, which was about everybody sharing what they were feeling. So anybody who had a negative uh, opinion about the yoga class were not allowed to be voiced in a circle like that, you know, they, they just had to be quiet and respectful because the other girls didn't want to lose their experience. So there mm-hmm. was very much what you might call a showdown, a showdown of a person being allowed to experiment with consciousness within a framework where that's usually not allowed. So this was very much of an open, experimental uh, situation at this academy. It was called the Academy of Bowling Green. Okay. I think it was a beautiful and, thing. And so, how um, how long were you there, uh, and and uh, in, in teaching the classes, Tessa? Well, by the time the hurricane comes, and this is the eye of Charlie. Now, Charlie was in class four when it hit, and it was a class four when it came all the way up the Peace River of Florida couple hours later, and it was still the class four when it hit the the academy, which is what the book is about. The book is about how we maintain a calm within, even though there's a storm, a real storm going outside, or our life is stormy. So by that time, I had already been teaching for several years. So as the storm is coming, I'm having uh, reflections as I'm telling that the storm is coming closer, but I've given the girls tools. I've already taught them how to breathe. I've already taught them how to still their mind. I've already taught them to tune into the power that we all have within ourselves and to do the poses, of course, the asanas, which are the poses of, of yoga, and uh, the final, the, the coup de grace, the, the wonderful way we end every yoga class, which is a short period of meditation. So the girls had already learned this when the storm came two years later. So I'm writing in the present tense, but I'm reflecting about all the different steps that we've learned. And that is the self-empowerment part. Right, right. And and, uh, and and why this is important, I mean, aside from this incredible story and the benefit that you, you know, brought these girls, um, you, you're you kind of talking about this literal hurricane uh, and using it as a metaphor for everyone else, uh, because at some point we all uh, sort of find ourselves in the challenges of life, a.k.a. the hurricane. Um, and, you know, these, uh, you know, the, it, and your point is, I believe, that if these incorrigible girls um, can benefit so much, if they can maybe change their lives using these tools, well, just imagine what those of us, um, you know, uh, who, uh, who are out there in everyday life not incarcerated, uh, how we might uh, improve our quality of life, correct? Exactly, exactly. This story is an allegory, and it really applies to every single one of us, because sooner or later, all of us 
have to go through some challenge, some difficulty. And it could be within our own personal lives. It could be with our health. It could be with the current state of the world, the environment, or the government, or just the fact that we don't like what's going on in our neighborhood. So all of us have to deal with these issues, and it boils down to control or not control. You're going to either let yourself be controlled by somebody, or you're going to do the controlling, or you have let go of the control and you have spiritualized your life. So once you have... Like these girls find out that they can spiritualize their life just by breathing, just by following their breath, and just letting Mother Nature do the rest. Really, that's it's as simple as that. But they once they realize that they have that choice, there's just no turning back. Their their lives became so much bigger. They realize that they could make changes in their life. They they could leave prison. They call it the outs. They could go to the outs. And they could become happy. They did not have to go and continue being hoodlums or criminals or druggies or or being so upset that they threw fits and ran away or whatever. They 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 right. could actually take that calm with them wherever they went. So so tell me, Tessa, did you follow any of the girls after they were released? Uh, were there any um, you know were there any success stories? Um, you know, once, you know, they uh, re-entered society? Well, the director and I are still very good friends, and we were talking about that the other day as we walked down the beach. And uh, for myself, I I was never on a last-name basis with the girls. There was total anonymity. They they knew my last name. They have a few have been in touch with me because social media makes it so easy. But, you know, that's a mystery. That's a mystery, and one would like to think that uh, a lot of them have carried through with this, but we really don't know. And so my friend, who was the director at the time of this institution, she said that she has been in touch with several, but the the problem is is that the rest of society does has not yet really backed up this theory that consciousness is so important. So when you go back into society... You have your friends saying, oh, no, man, it's hip-hop or it's drugs or whatever. That's the important stuff. Or football or, you know, stealing cars. So it's harder when your peer group is not reinforcing this. So to answer your question, no. I have never really had a long-lasting relationship with any of the girls outside. But yet I feel psychically connected to them. And I do feel in my heart that they've they've made real-life long transformations in the experience they had, whether or not they're using it right now, because right now they're in their late 20s, and those are the years, you know, when you're having kids and you're struggling to make a home, maybe they'll come back to these principles that were given to them when they get a little more mature. That's what I'm thinking. Well, you know, I'm a I'm a firm believer. In fact, it's interesting we're having this conversation now. Um, I guess there are no coincidences. Um, I was given a talk at the um, uh, Spiritual Unity Movement um, uh, Full Moon um, 
ceremony Friday night about goddess ideals change in the world. And I consider things like yoga and uh, meditation, the, you know, fitting under the the goddess umbrella. And you know, and I, I was talking about all of the different quote goddess goddessy things, you know, whether it be these practices or ideals or, uh, you know, values, um, uh, you know, how we how we could literally uh, change the world if these things were at the center, center of society rather than just on the fringes. And I was actually saying, you know, I, I think that, you know, from the time we're young children, uh, when it comes to yoga and meditation or uh, you know, uh, expressing gratitude, or uh, whether it be understanding that our thoughts shape our reality. You know, these should be things that are front and center, uh, and that we learn these as soon as we can um, be aware of them, as soon as we can possibly do them, because they're tools in our spiritual toolkit. Um, and uh, imagine the difference the world could be with just those few things I mentioned, you know, the yoga and, uh, you know, meditation uh, in, included, you know, if, if we did those like we brush our teeth, you know, if, if they were things that we, we absolutely made time for and it wasn't something we just kind of put off or did occasionally or when we got stressed, you know, if, if it was just the normal, natural, uh, you know, part of our everyday routine. Exactly, and that's why I call myself a spiritual activist because the more people who spread these concepts and live them and talk about them and write about them and blog about them and do social media about them like I do, the world really does like have um, the tendency to be influenced by the numbers of people, like the tipping point. As I believe the tipping point has already been reached, by the way. I believe that we are already in the goddess consciousness. I believe that we have already entered the age of transformation. This is my belief. And I'm acting as if it's a very positive time that we're going through. I'm, I'm absolutely sure that we are in the midst of influencing everybody. Because when I was much younger, I was a total freak. People just used to look at me like, whoa, where did you come up with these ideas? And now I'm just an ordinary person who believes that the spiritual is such a deep, deep part of us and it is the most important part of us. And that is my job, to make it shiny, to make it fun, to make it uh, so that everybody can realize that it's available. It's not just some esoteric woo thing. It's part right, of life. Right, right, right. And, yeah, and, and, I, and, I it, and it should... Yeah, and I mean, and it should be as routine as uh, as saying please and thank you, you know, or or brushing our teeth, or uh, you know, would these these things that we do that we think we, um, uh, you know, the, these things that we think we need to do uh, to get by in society. Uh, maybe some of those we don't necessarily need, but these we really do, and the impact uh, they could, uh, you know, potentially, you know, have on us and have, 
uh, on a society as a whole. And, you know, you're hearing more and more about um, CEOs are starting to incorporate this, uh, you know, as something for their employees. You know, you're, uh, you know, you're hearing about this, uh, you know, breaking through, uh, you know, in all different, uh, you know, levels of society, actually, you know, the, whether it be the meditation or the mindfulness or the, uh, uh, or the yoga. Um, you know, you might be right, Tessa, we really might already be living the goddess ideals. It's just, Unfortunately, the media uh, is at last bastion of patriarchy, of domination and exploitation, and um, of course it doesn't uh, talk about this kind of stuff. Right, and that's unfortunate. For instance, I can give you a couple of examples. I just totally believe that um, integral medicine, for instance, which was started by Dr. Andrew Weil quite a few decades ago, he integrated Eastern and Western medicine and actually started a whole new concept of integrating everything together, and that's why he called it integral medicine rather than allopathic, which is our traditional form of medicine where you just basically put a bandage on something that's already gone wrong. So integral medicine is about looking at overall wellness and making as much as possible we don't get diseases. We we stay in a state of wellness. So integral mm-hmm. medicine, people are often prescribed to meditate or to take herbs or to, to do breathing or to take, um, you know, some holopathic thing, or not holopathic, um, homeopathic, sorry. <laughs> I combined homeopathic and allopathic. But it, and, and then also they'll prescribe medicine if it's needed for things like uh, cancer, if it's really severe cancer, yes, you can meditate, but you can also have radiology or radiation and, and a chemotherapy. So integral medicine it shows how much our society has changed. And that's, uh, you know, that's in Arizona, that's where the school is. Do you, do you know about the integral medicine? Um, it, uh, well, I, I know about uh, wheel. Uh, but I didn't. I, if, if this is something, is if, if this is part of his legacy, uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't Andrew, know where it was yeah. located. Yes, and, and, and Andrew Weil is an old friend of mine, and he really brought it to society in a way that we can understand what it is. I mean, he doesn't call it "this is the goddess consciousness," but this is embracing spirituality as a method of being well. So. There's oftentimes, you have to mask terms instead of calling meditation when you're talking to CEOs at IBM. You call it relaxation techniques or you call it empowerment techniques. You don't call it meditation because a lot of people still think that that's, well, why would I want to not have any thoughts in my mind? What what point would that be? (laughs) They don't don't understand that meditation is tapping into the most incredible source of creativity available for, for our human consciousness. So there's other many ways, too, like the food. The food shows how consciousness has evolved. When I was young, you couldn't buy brown bread in the, in the grocery store. And now uh-huh. people are going extremes the other way. The, the whole vegan thing to me is like some bits over the top, like over the top extreme yoga. But it'll all balance out, and it'll all come right, to a place right of people realizing that we are in a time when we're being forced to be spiritual because 
if we're not tuned into that power within, which is our spiritual life, then we're going, a lot of people are going to be very upset and very mad and very disturbed because of what's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah, these are good coping mechanisms too. Um and now right. I wanna I, I do wanna get on to your um you know, your other your art book, We Are One. Uh but I wanna just uh you know, before we close on the yoga subject, um I'm getting a, a question from someone that's listening in the chat room and they're asking me, um, you know, she says she's always been intimidated uh, by yoga classes because it's usually these young, thin girls uh, who seem to, uh, you know, I guess have, um, you know, joints like rubber, you know. Uh, what, if you're, right. what if you're older? What if, what if you are carrying a, a good bit of weight on your body? Um, how can you still do yoga? Or is there a particular yoga that, you know, might be a place to start? You know, so, you know, what about someone who's Absolutely. overweight? Yes, so today, if anybody has a computer, they can go to YouTube, they can type in chair yoga. Chair yoga is a very good way to start if there's any kind of handicap or challenge or or issue, like either too much weight or a stiffness or rheumatoid arthritis or whatever, maybe joint replacements. And um, I gave a little yoga class to a friend of mine who has had both her shoulders, both her knees replaced. She's a mess. But she really wants to still her busy mind. Her mind is really messing with her. And her body is just absolutely stiff. So chair yoga is a wonderful way to access this ancient science of, um, you know, union. Yoga means union. Union in the sense that it's body, mind, and spirit. It's not just a modality for a workout. It's not just stretching. It is the union of all parts of us. So everything you need to know, just go to YouTube. You can say, okay, yoga for, like, overweight people, and you'll get 10,000 videos. And some of them are really good. I I just go to YouTube all the time. Okay. All right. And um, so moving on to um, your other project, um, I believe it's called We Are One, and you call it a Mm -hmm. meditative art book, which is intriguing to me because when I think of meditation, I'm thinking, okay, we're sort of clearing the mind, but then when I think of art book, I think of, well, I have to focus on some art. Um, So I I want you to explain that. And uh, and, and is it anywhere related to In the Eye of the Hurt? Okay. Well, it's related. I, I, I call We Are One my manifesto. It was uh, a book that I put together last year, and uh, In the Eye is coming out very shortly, and they'll both be available on Amazon under my name, Tazna Lord, with a Z. But We Are One is, okay, if you think about the ancient Tibetans or the ancient cave people, even going back to the very first experience of people making art, the cave paintings were to honor the sacred. And in those days, the sacred was bison and buffalo and gazelles and the animals that they had to either conquer and hunt to eat or to have a relationship with. So the very first instances of art that humankind did were these ancient paintings in the caves. And it's a kind of a mystery. People can't figure out, well, how did they do it? You could barely even see in there. 
They just had some torches and they learned how to do it. And then the Tibetans, they perfected the art of the mandala, which is a meditative technique. You stare at a mandala and it's usually pretty geometric. It's round, but within the roundness of it could be all sorts of little scenes or some other kind of dimensions. And it brings your focus to a very still place. That's the, the whole point of a mandala. So the paintings that I do in We Are One have a little narrative, like I'm looking at one right now that is about the family. And when I think about the family, my family, I think what a wonderful spiritual opportunity I have been given to really give and to receive. And it has taken me to a very deep place in my spiritual journey to have been part of a family and still part of a family. And so each one of these pages has something else to contemplate. And I could turn to each one and go deeply into it and feel myself enter that realm that that picture is depicting. Okay, I totally get it. So you're using, so you're at, we're actually meditating on the imagery. Um, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, absolutely makes perfect sense. Yeah, and I um, give a little po- poetic introduction just so people can maybe have a little um, clue to how to get in there. Like, for instance, I'm looking at one right now that is a spiral of human figures. And the the little meditative hint says, spiral of life, boundaries gone, differences dissolved. The uplifting call of the future, our blended dance of humanity's evolution. Nice. Then the picture becomes so much deeper. The picture is much more than just a pretty picture. Yes, yes, absolutely. I get that. I get that. Um, So, you know, you have so many irons in the fire. You're so creative. Um, I mean, you're an artist. You're a writer. You're out there, you know, having to market your your work. Uh, You know, you're Mm. you're teaching yoga, meditation. Um, How do you manage to keep it all balanced? You know, what type of challenges do you face? And do you have any tips uh, for those of us who wear, you know, multiple hats. Right. Well, because I am a lifelong yogini, yogini is the female. I say yoginis wear bikinis, <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> so oh, that's how you can tell a woman, a yoga person, from a man who's a yogi. And Yogi Berra, for instance, really did get his name because he used to get into a yoga position. That's how they called him Yogi Berra. So, ah, I didn't know I that. I know, it's really funny. He he got that name early in life. He was sitting cross-legged, and they said, well, what are you, a yogi? And he said, yeah. So <laughs> I, I had scoliosis, and I still do. So I was introduced to yoga as a teenager. So I have been doing yoga for 50 years. And believe me, it is the the strength and the the core of my life. And it also makes you an incredibly flexible person because it does not just keep your joints flexible, but it keeps your attitude flexible. So one of the things you learn by working with these concepts that we do in it doesn't have to be yoga. It could be some other type of Eastern modality, like Tai Chi is very beautiful, and 
I, I don't, I'm not really that fond of Pilates because I think Pilates is, has been stripped of the spirituality. And I think any physical thing should be definitely with the spiritual depth that yoga has to it. So because I have this balance in my life, I'm always asking myself, okay, do I need to do more mental work? Do I need to do more spiritual work? Do I need to do, like, just nothing and relax? So I'm always asking myself. That's called self-inquiry, and it's very much a part of the yoga life. We ask ourselves these questions. Because when we go into a pose, for instance, we're, we're asking ourselves, oh, should I put my feet a little more to the left? Should I have my arms a little more extended, or are they extended too much? We're, we're constantly asking ourselves because... In yoga, the concept is we are the best teachers that we can find inside of ourselves. That's the I I'm talking about in, in the other book, in the I. So when we ask our teacher within, we find the answers. So th- there's a joke in yoga that G-U-R-U, we're our own guru. G-U-R-U, you're the guru. <laughs> I'm, always ask- I'm always asking myself, what do I need to do? And some days I need to just make a list, and other days I need to just chill out and read a book and curl up in the hammock and just breathe. Mm, sounds delicious. And such good advice, That's, such good advice. Well, it, it's a wonderful way to be, I'll tell you, the, the union that uh, yoga teaches. And it's it maybe I, I just love it so much. And so with the girls, I believe got the message because they got high from the breathing they realized they had strong bodies and these were couch potatoes these girls were not athletes and I would get them up in a headstand in two minutes because that's the way it is when you know how to align your body Interesting. that's a real sense wow. of that's a sense of achievement for anybody. An overweight girl who has no ab muscles and she gets into a headstand, can you imagine the, the pride it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah it's unbelievable. i mean it, and then and it translates into other areas of your life then too you know you see you're able to you know master this and it uh, gives you incentive and um confidence to um you know take steps in other directions as well so tonight's yoga class that i was teaching it's not a big class and but it's a very strong class. I call it the strong spirit. And I chose the theme of patience. And the thing that goes along with patience is perseverance. You can't have one without the other. So if you're looking at a yoga pose, even if it's something simple, like just going into the most simple things that I can think of, just standing absolutely quietly, like a mountain. It's called the mountain pose. It takes a lot of practice to be that quiet and to be that aligned and to be that focused that you can just stand patiently like a mountain does. And that is an amazing thing to do. Well, I hear you. Um, well, Tessa, um, I think we're probably pretty close to uh, wrapping up. Uh, is there anything uh, besides uh, giving listeners your website, uh, anything you wanted to maybe um, share that I uh, maybe have not thought to ask? Well, one thing I do is I want everybody to participate in 
this incredible consciousness that we our whole species is evolving to. I truly believe that we're we're already reached the tipping point. We already are in transformation. Let's just assume that. Let's be positive and let's just stay focused on the positive and stop being scared or angry or disappointed and because the energy that we need to go forward to be to have creative solutions for the environment for other situations that are challenging they all will arise from our subconscious they won't arise from a political rally they won't arise from you know going on a rant and rave on social media they arise from the creative juices within our own inner selves so anybody who comes to my website tezalord.com and that's t e z a l o r d Com. If you want to sign up for my list, I send out these free mind stillers, which are little audio clips, just tiny little things, few minutes long, that help people who need help to still their minds, to, to focus on their breath, to let go of the busy, chattering monkey mind, we call it. Okay. Well, I'm I'm going to actually have to go there myself, Tessa, and and, uh, and take a look. Um, now, you also have a spiritual blog uh, that uh, listeners can access, uh, lordflea.com, I believe. Right. It's spelled like flea, like the dog, L-O-R-D-F-L-E-A. And I named it after a famous Calypso singer because I... I'm such an unmaterialistic person. I left America and I spent the entire 70s living in the third world in the Caribbean, in Dominica, which was just destroyed recently by Maria. God bless them. My heart is bleeding for Dominica. But Lord Flea was a famous Calypso singer. So being a blogger to me is like singing Calypso because it's it's about sharing the news and sharing the uplifting positive things going on. That's what I do, and I've been a blogger for almost 10 years, and there's a lot of really juicy stuff on on my blog. I bet, I bet, and there's so much to talk about. Um, well, Tessa, thank you so much uh, for being with me tonight and uh, uh, sharing all this wonderful inspiration and ideas uh, that listeners can uh, actually um, you know, partake of themselves. And uh, both of your books, uh, In the Eye and uh, We Are One, uh, they both should be available at Amazon pretty soon, yes? Well, We, we Are One is available right now, and In the Eye is in its very last stages of preparation, and it will be on Amazon very shortly. Okay, great. Well, I think that about does it for us tonight. Um, Thank you, Tezza. I appreciate you calling in. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I just hope you guys stay safe with all those fires all around you. I'll put protection around you. Oh, thank you so very much, and uh, good luck with your projects, and uh, you be safe uh, on, on your life journey as well. Thank you so much. Good night. Thank you so much. May the goddess be with us. Blessed be. Blessed be. Well, um, uh, 
interesting talk with Teza. Uh, so much good stuff there, and uh, definitely in agreement, uh, a thousand percent. So I hope you will go to her website and uh, and check out her books. And uh, you know, it's not going to be long before the holidays uh, are going to be here, and you're going to be looking for something uh, inspirational and valuable to send uh, to people that you love. And uh, you know, uh, you might want to consider uh, Teza's books. Uh, you know, as uh, uh, you know, those uh, those type things. Um, you know, to give you know the people we care about. Um, and uh, please stay comfortable uh, while you hear a word from Joe Carson. Most people see humankind as really separate from nature and separate from the earth. I'm as much of this earth as a rock or a tree is. And I came out of it. This is my mother planet. I grew out of this earth. As long as we conceive of divinity as above us or outside of us, or that our bodies are somehow less divine than spirit, there's no way that we can change our course. Well, you were just listening to the trailer for Dancing with Gaia, which is Joe Carson's feature-length documentary film. In it, she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers about earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the return of goddess as Gaia. You know, Joe traveled to ancient sacred sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot this film, and these spiritual sites from northern Scotland to central Turkey profoundly affected the origins of Western culture. If you've always wanted to see them yourself but haven't, this is a great opportunity to experience some of the best ones and get their story. Uh, this DVD comes packaged with a 45-page color mini-book, which goes even deeper into the material. And you know what? You can buy the DVD and booklet for only $20 at the website dancingwithgaia.com. Another great idea for holiday gift-giving. So uh, that about does it uh, for me for tonight, dear listeners. Um, I hope you will be back with me uh, next week. Uh, next Wednesday, I will have with me uh, Nancy Vetter Schultz, and we are going to be talking about her new book uh, that's out called The World is Your uh, Oracle, which was just uh, published uh, a few months ago. And um, it's a new form of divination that you really will probably want to hear about. Um, and if you're in the Southern California area, I will be at the Pagan Pride um, Day event uh, at Rainbow Lagoon in Long Beach on Sunday. I'll be giving a talk about spiritual courage uh, at 2 o'clock in one of the uh, speaker tents. And from there, I go over to the author table. And from there, I will be helping staff uh, one of the um, uh, booths out there. So um, you have an opportunity uh, to come by and say hello, uh, and I hope you will. Now, for those of you who follow me on Facebook or you're on my uh, email list, 
And you know I've been giving several talks lately, and some of you have said, well, you know, I'm not in Southern California. I want to hear these talks. I think what you're saying is is important. Uh, Well, I am thinking of either creating... uh, a video and putting it on my YouTube channel. That could very well happen uh, pretty soon. Uh, but I'm also thinking about doing just an audio of the talks, and I will be posting those uh, here on uh, Voices of the Sacred Feminine. So uh, if you will uh, just be patient, uh, just a few weeks more. Uh, I would imagine uh, after Samhain, uh, probably by mid-November, uh, Uh, I will have either a video up or I will have uh, the audio uh, of my talks uh, actually here on Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Uh, Some of you may know um, that, uh, you know, the last few weeks have been a little bit of a struggle. Um, My beloved feline daughter uh, of 20 years, uh, Zena, uh, she passed away about uh, two weeks ago two weeks ago tomorrow. Uh, So it has been uh, quite challenging, to say the least. Uh, We had her and her sister for 20 years, and uh, Zena, 20 years and seven months. Uh, You can see some of her pictures on my Facebook page. And um, her absence uh, is felt uh, tremendously in our house. Uh, So I have been uh, dealing with that a bit, so uh, just a little bit under the weather. Uh, But uh, tonight I I bring good news. Uh, We went to pick up uh, Zena's ashes. Uh, We had her cremated and, um, you know, keep her ashes along with her sisters. And, um, you know, how funny things happen. Uh, our, our vet, who usually never has rescue kittens, uh, had one kitten that they had been nursing back to health for the last five or six weeks. And uh, the moment we saw this kitten, uh, her name is Princess Lily, uh, the moment we saw her, we just knew Uh, that she was probably the reincarnation of our beloved Isis uh, that passed away in February. So anyway, I've posted some of Princess Lily's uh, pictures on my Facebook page. Uh, She's a a tiny little kitten, only about uh, 10 weeks old. So she has just uh, joined our house, and we are trying to make her comfortable. And we believe in our heart of hearts that uh, she is... You know, Isis, come back to us. Uh, It's really pretty remarkable. As soon as we saw her, um, we saw Isis. It was just one of those things that you just know. And some people would probably say you're crazy. Some people would probably say, oh, it's just wishful thinking. Uh, But, you know, when you know something and you feel something, uh, it's just undeniable. So I think we're very lucky. so uh, please go see pictures of, uh, of our new baby, uh, Princess Lily. So, uh, and I am going to go now and uh, go uh, help uh, Princess Lily get acclimated uh, to our home. And I thank you again uh, for being with us tonight. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Tezza Lord. 
And uh, please uh, do tune in again next Wednesday uh, when I have Nancy Vetter Schultz with me uh, talking about uh, her new book, uh, The World is Your Oracle. So be well, be safe, and remember uh, one of my favorite mottos, uh, what you nourish, what you nurture, Uh, That is the thing that will sustain you. Uh, That is the thing that grows. What you neglect, uh, it withers. So think about that, please, in all phases of your life. Uh, If there's something you want to grow, if there's something you want to um, uh, flourish and blossom into abundance, uh, you definitely want to focus on that. Uh, And those things that no longer serve you, Um, put no energy in those and they will wither away Uh, you know and that that works uh, you know that works in the positive and the negative Um, so if you're thinking about uh, your relationships uh, you know if you want to keep those happy and healthy uh, please make sure you um, you know those are the things that you nurture and give your attention to Well, that about does it, uh, dear friends. Uh, Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. As I've already said, your listener loyalty means the world. Um, And I will go ahead and uh, let you hear a little bit more uh, from uh, Zingaya tonight uh, as we close uh, tonight's show. Here is uh, Breath of Passion by Zingaya. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.